podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. Hello, this is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast, which is entitled, Using Course Evaluation Rubrics in the Online Course Design Process. And I'm very pleased to introduce our guest speaker today, Dr. Eli Collins-Brown. Eli, thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're, we're thrilled that you're here. Some of you may be familiar with some of Eli's work. Dr. Collins Brown is currently Director of Instructional Technology at the Methodist College of Nursing in Prairie, Illinois. She has actually had various roles over the last 10 years in distance education. And she's been a student, obviously, an instructional designer, faculty developer, instructor, course reviewer, and the list goes on. Very impressive. She's had a unique opportunity to get a 360 look at online education, which a lot of us don't have that opportunity. Research has actually focused on quality in online course design and programming and actually trying to leverage the benefits of the online environment in, in a blended learning environment. People may not be aware what a director of instructional technology does at a college, so could you maybe start by just telling us some of your roles and responsibilities are? Sure, at the college, we're a small institution, just a small single-purpose institution, and so as Director of Instructional Technology, I actually do everything. I do information technology, I'm responsible for technology in the classrooms, you know, the actual physical hardware, software, operation, the labs, uh, student workers, you know, the student information system, Blackboard, I'm the Blackboard administrator, you know, all those roles sort of come underneath my umbrella. Unfortunately, uh, I do have a coworker who is very capable, so I'm able to delegate quite a bit of that. But then also, in, in terms of instructional technology, I am helping faculty learn how to use the technology effectively in the classroom, in web-based situations, and also for online courses. And in doing that, then I'm able to also improve their teaching and learning, their pedagogy, and course design, all those aspects of effective instruction. Excellent. Thank you. In your title, you mentioned course evaluation rubrics, and I thought it might be important, depending upon our audience and their background, to explain what actually a course evaluation rubric is. Well, course evaluation came up particularly in developing online courses because we try, we're trying to get a handle on what online courses need to have in them in order for them to be effective. And of course, online courses have been operating under the perception that they're inferior to face-to-face -to -face courses and trying to really define what quality in online courses are. 
So a number of people have been using rubrics to actually set the criteria by which courses would be evaluated and then people could then rework their courses in order to bring them up to quality standards. So a rubric is really an evaluation tool that sets aside a list of criteria that need to be met in order for the course or the product to be approved. Basically. Okay. okay, great. Thank you for the explanation. I know you're currently developing online course uh, design processes using various quality standards. Do you actually design your own rubrics or are you using existing rubrics? Well, my initial intention when I started working on this was to design my own rubric. But what I discovered in my research is that a lot of people have been working on this, so there are a lot of rubrics out there that are available. And that is particularly because this issue of quality is so prominent and many practitioners are really struggling to get a handle on that in the course design process. So I reviewed a number of rubrics and I really narrowed it down to four rubrics that I felt were pretty decent. And those are the Quality Matters rubric, which came out of Maryland Online Consortium, the QOCI rubric, which is Quality Online Course Initiative, which is out of the Illinois Online Network, the ROI rubric, rubric for online instruction, which was developed at California State University in Chico. And then since we're a Blackboard institution, I also looked at the Blackboard Greenhouse Course Exemplary Course Award rubric mm -hmm. because I want to submit our courses for awards. So we may as well design the courses to meet those award standards mm -hmm. from the get-go. So after examining them, I realized that I probably didn't need to create a rubric. I didn't need to reinvent the wheel here. And for me, from an instructional design viewpoint, the Quality Matters rubric best fit the needs for what I, I feel are important in quality course design. And most importantly, Quality Matters really focuses only on course design, not on instruction. And not a lot of people realize that those are really two separate things, that you can have course design evaluate it for quality and then also evaluate course instruction. The other rubric sort of convoluted the two, which becomes problematic when you start doing course reviews because nowadays it's becoming more prevalent that the person who designs the course may not be the person who teaches the course. Mm -hmm. Good point. Well, uh, hopefully at the end of the podcast, I'm not sure whether you have some of those URLs. I know a, a, a common challenge for a lot of programs and developing rubrics and evaluation tools and, and so on is to actually involve faculty and encourage a buy-in faculty. How have you accomplished that? Well, it was interesting because at Methodist College of Nursing, they had gone through a fairly disastrous experience with a previous attempt at doing online courses. They had an online RN to BSN and no help whatsoever. I mean, they learned how to use Blackboard and which buttons to push and various things like that, but they just sort of shoveled everything online there their face-to-face -face PowerPoints, course notes, and you know some attempt at interactivity. And it ended up being just a, a horrible experience for the students and for the instructors to the point where the dean pulled the program because right. it just wasn't working. So when I came on board and we approached faculty about doing another online R into BSN, you can imagine the reaction. I don't want to do that <laughs> again. But with my background, they ended up trusting me with my experience and what I was going to bring to the table. And I did bring the four rubrics, and of course I could have dictated to them, oh, I want to use the Quality Matters rubric, but I felt that it was important 
that they also go through that review process, look at all four rubrics, see what quality standards look like, how they're defined, and sort of get their brains wrapped around that. And then I, I gave them a choice. I said, we can either use one of these rubrics or we can create a rubric that you feel will be useful in your process because that's what important that's what's important. It has to be a useful tool to the person who's using mm -hmm. it. And so in that process, it was an educative process for them. And they did end up use, choosing the Quality Matters rubric, wow. which is fortunate <laughs> for me since that's my favorite rubric and I am a certified Quality Matters reviewer. But it was the one that made the most sense to them. So they have buy-in. They feel like they have a voice into which rubric we chose. The course review process, they were a little uncomfortable with, and we're sort of still working with that because we are just now going through the course review process for the first couple of courses that we designed. But in doing so and in training them to do peer reviews using the rubric, they're learning that it's not punitive, that it's actually it's not related to their evaluation for promotion or tenure, that it's only to improve their courses and to make them the best that they can be from the get-go. Mm -hmm. So they are very understanding of that and very excited about it, actually. That's wonderful. Are a lot of colleges and universities, when they're developing online programs and courses, do you think they're using the rubrics? No, actually not. Interesting. Yeah. In fact... The nice thing about the Quality Matters rubric, it was a FIPSI grant project, and so they mm -hmm. got a lot of attention because it, was, it came out of, uh, out of that grant, but they also were very transparent in how they came up with the rubric, where they got their standards. It was based on the empirical research that was available. We know what quality online courses looks like. It's just that unless you do that research and do that reading, you're not very familiar with mm -hmm. it. And as a normal faculty member, that's not your expertise. So your expertise is a subject matter. So I think that a lot of institutions aren't using the rubrics, but they are becoming more familiar with it mm -hmm. um, through these various rubrics becoming more used nationwide and being nationally recognized as being a good thing to do. Good thing to use. Why do you think it's really important for online programs to start using rubrics in their course design process? That's a very good question because rubrics in and of themselves, the use of rubrics in higher education is not very well known. K through 12 has been using rubrics for a while. They've really developed the process. And, but, you know, higher education, we're catching on now as to, to the value of rubrics. And a rubric really serves two purposes. The first purpose being that it evaluates a product or a project, or you can use it as an assessment of student work. But the other side of it is that it can actually set the expectations of what that work needs to be. And so it'll set the criteria that you can look at to make their project or their paper, whatever it is, acceptable or exceptional. And think about it. All students, what do they ask you? What do I need to do to get that <laughs> yes. A? Exactly. Yes. And a good rubric tells them exactly how they can earn that A and how they'll be assessed on that project. So think of that, and it's really a valuable learning tool. That's where the beauty of rubrics really comes into play. Okay, let's apply it to the course design process. A good rubric will tell the instructor or instructional designer exactly what the course needs to have in it, to have in it built in it, to make it a quality course. Excellent. Well, 
it sounds like there's been a lot of evolution over the last couple of years, the design process. And how have you changed the design process to incorporate, uh, we talk about quality standards all the time. How have you incorporated quality standards in this design process that has evolved with uh, your program? And it has changed because what I realized in my work with Quality Matters is that they say up front that fully 50% of the courses that come through the course review process don't meet standards. And for me, that was a huge red light because what that means is that fully 50% of those courses then have to go back through a rework process, which is more time and more resources. And most of us don't have extra time. we got to get this course up and running and, and teach it. So what's happening then is that these courses that aren't meeting quality standards are being taught. Students are actually going through that course. So what I came to understand is that what we need to do is include the quality standards in the course design process. So I'm sort of front-loading them. I'm using the rubric in the design process. So by using the rubric in the design process, what we're doing is we're designing courses to the standards rather than building the course, reviewing it, and then having them have to go back and rework it. That added rework, that added time for rework or lack of time, I might add, could contribute to decreased quality in online courses that we've seen in the past. Because, as I said, they just don't have time. Students need to get into that course. But if we can design the course to meet the standards and have those courses pass the very first time they're reviewed, that means the very first time that course is, is taught, that student is having the best possible learning experience because of that. Great. What are some of your challenges? What have been some of the greatest challenges? Well, I'm struggling with one right now because in using the rubric, there's a little bit of mismatch between the rubric and the design process. It just doesn't seem to be meshing very well. And in thinking about that, it suddenly realized that, I suddenly realized that it's because a rubric has a different purpose. A rubric is to evaluate the course after it's done. So while it's a really good tool for evaluation, review, suggestions for improving the course, it's not a very good tool in terms of what you need to put in the course in order to meet the, the criterion or the quality standards. So what I'm working on right now, and I've been working on the last couple of months, is actually instead of looking at the standard, and then trying to figure out, okay, what do I need to do in the course to, to meet that standard? I'm actually creating a checklist of what you can put in the course to meet the standard. Mm -hmm. And so theoretically, what should happen is that a instructor or a designer could use the checklist, go through the checklist, make sure they've got everything in, in on the checklist in the course. And then in the course review process, it should meet quality standards right from the get-go. So that's what I'm working on right now. We are just starting to use that checklist in the design process for the first couple of courses. And so I would love to have collaborators. I would, I would invite people, faculty or designers or whoever are starting to work on designing an online course. I'd love to work with them and give them the checklist and have them use it in the design process, see how it works. We'll do interviews or focus groups or whatever it might be to gather back that data just to see if it really improves that process because ultimately what my goal is is that I want to reduce that 50% mark of courses that don't meet quality standards down to 
5, 10%, which means what you're getting is 90, 95% of courses who are meeting quality standards from the get-go without any, any rework. So I'm really hoping that this checklist will develop into such a useful tool that we'll be able to re reduce that number of courses that need rework. That's a great goal. And you're very focused on it. I'm sure you'll achieve it. As you look toward the future and you look in your crystal ball and think about what you would like to accomplish next in this area or where you're directing your, your energy, your future energy, where's it going? Well, there are a lot of books that are written about designing online courses. There are a lot of books about teaching online courses. I haven't found one that is specific enough to be a step-by-step -step process, but general enough to fit all disciplines and all type of courses, from a content-driven course to a seminar type of discussion course. And that's really my goal, is to come up with some sort of course design process that a person could just take it and use it and give them, provide them enough information so that they wouldn't necessarily have to have an instructional designer working with them on the course, but they would be able to do a pretty good job of developing a quality course on their own and just making it a very useful tool for anybody to use no matter what discipline or where they're at or what they're going to be doing. And for them to know that if they, if they follow this process, that they're going to end up doing the right things. That's what most faculty, if they're not familiar with online, it's like, I don't have any idea what I'm doing. Just tell me what I need to do. <laughs> and that's what I would like this, this course design process to end up doing for faculty. That's exciting. Yeah, that's very, very exciting. Definitely. Eli, I can't thank you enough for sharing your experience and expertise. And I was wondering if you had available any URLs or kind of direct people to uh, sites, if you could do that, and then also maybe provide personal contact information, your your email address or sure. whatever you yeah. feel comfortable doing. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Actually, probably the best place for them to go would be my website, which is elicbrown.com. That's E-L-I-C-Brown.com. has all of my presentations that have all the URLs for all the rubrics. Oh, wonderful. As well as everything else. And my contact information is out there that they can talk contact me by phone or by email. And as I said before, I welcome any collaborators, any people who want to test out my checklist or my course design process, you know, the more the merrier because that's that's what's really going to make this the best thing possible. Eli, thank you so much. And I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. My name is Dr. Marilyn Gardner, and you have been listening to a podcast that's sponsored by USDLA. If you're interested in finding out more information about the United States Distance Learning Association, you can find us at www.usdla.org. Thank you very much, and have a great day. This podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. The Fischler School of Education and Human Services is dedicated to the enhancement and continuing support of teachers, administrators, trainers, and others working in related helping professions throughout the world.